I made it happen for you, Meryl. You did? Oh, yay. my gosh, yay. I made it happen for you. Meryl came in one day to our little show here and said, I think you know Nathan Fletcher, and I've got a crush on Nathan. <laughs> You're my political crush. Yeah, so I'm very said, happily taken. I know you are, awesome. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, She's like, I've got a crush on Nathan. And I'm like, I can make something happen here. Oh, but little did I know. It took us a little while. I'm it take sorry. It'd take a minute. And, yeah. uh, That's you're, even more attractive. <laughs> you're busy these days. And uh, it's been such a, such a grind for you, I understand. Yeah. But it's, it's what you do. Well, it is. And, and um, I mean, you know, look, you, you, you run for office to be in situations to deal with crisis and problems. And, you know, no one, no one ever predicts, okay, something that only happens every hundred years is sure. going to happen right now. Um, you know, but it, you know, at the end of the day, look, we've got to deal with what's in front of us and we got to deal with it as best we can. And, you know, the whole like novel coronavirus, so it's new, mm -hmm. which means there's a lot every day we learn something new and we have to adapt and we have to change. And I just think, you know, every day we got to get up and we got to do the best we can. And then when circumstances change or something new, then you got to say, well, here's what we're doing now and here's why. Um, and then I, I really think one of the, one of the biggest issues right now is coronavirus has highlighted these historic inequities in our society. It did not create them, but it highlights them, right? You Meaning ain't kidding. The impact on homeless. Well, coronavirus didn't create our homeless crisis, but it's highlighted Brought yeah. the death yeah. uh, the Income the disparity. Income disparity, right? Because of the corresponding economic distress, we know lower income folks are hit harder in a recession. Yep. So the need is much greater. And, and uh, you know, another one we deal with a lot is historic health inequities. So if you're a if you're a family in Barrio Logan, you're eight times more likely to have asthma than someone in La Jolla. Yeah. Because we put polluting industries near where poor brown people live. And we know from from a study that came out, you're exponentially more likely to die from COVID if you have asthma. Mm -hmm. But you're more likely to have asthma, right? And and so all of those inequities like we're trying to like address So true in a pandemic and and so it's just it's it's a, a compounding thing it's you just you get up every day and you, you fight as hard as you can are you also seeing that this time because with all those things i'm also seeing this rising of a distrust of media and leaders oh and i know it's, it's oh, always yeah. been like that but and, and, and <laughs> worse than ever this, yeah worse than ever this is the worst time there's never a good time to have a global pandemic yeah this is the worst time as a country because you're absolutely right you know when we were kids uh, I think we're all about the same age. We all watched our families watched ABC, CBS, and NBC. Yep. And and it was it, and then your family would put whatever values or ideological beliefs you had. That was the prism through which you would look at a shared basis of fact. Like Tom Brokaw was telling us something. Tom so Brokaw. We could, yeah. Tom Brokaw would <laughs> tell us something, and then if your family was really conservative, you would you would have a conservative lens at which you looked at that fact, or if you were very progressive, you would have a progressive lens at which you looked at that fact. But we all had the same basis of fact. And the problem in today's world is there's no basis of fact. So if someone were to come out and say, all right, I get the face covering. I get initially we said don't wear it. And then I get we understood why it's valuable. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the studies and evidence. And I, I, I understand that it slows the spread. However, in America, we value liberty. And sometimes you pay a price for liberty. Yep. And that means I'm not going to wear the mask. And I understand that means it'll spread more and more people will die. But that's the price of liberty. And that's America. Okay, that, that's an intellectually honest position. I think it's nuts and very <laughs> selfish, yeah. right? But it's still, you know, you're good. But the problem is we're not having that debate. You're right. We're having the debate where people are saying, well, the mask, it, it's, it's bad for your health. Right. Despite all the evidence says it's good. And, and so there is no, 
there, like like we're not debating facts, right? And, and and if there was ever a time where we needed to come together and just work the problem, you know, I mean, club each other to death on what gun you should own or what background check you should go right. through or, you know, all those normal things. But if we would just come together and work the facts, and what's most frustrating is, is the things we're doing from a public health standpoint are designed to protect life, but they're also designed to preserve our economy. Meaning if we slow the spread, yep. we get more businesses open and we get more jobs open. And so the people who are most militantly saying we need every business to be open are the ones who are undermining our ability to have businesses open. Because yep. they're saying don't wear the face covering, it's not real, it's not real. And so that, I mean, it, it's a really challenging time right now. And we're so divided and, and issues of public health have become partisan. Yeah. It shouldn't be partisan, it should just be this is, this is what we need to do to get this under control. And here's the thing I want to ask you is somebody who has been watching since day one, and I've gone through different phases. Man, I've been freaked out, tripped out. Yeah. I am curious, how do you navigate through the hate because and, and the resistance? Because me personally... I'm not thick-skinned enough to do... I'd be asking guys to meet me in a park. <laughs> I'm serious, Nathan. Marine in me once. That's what I that, mean. Right? And they, dude, they, they go once. after you personally Pers and threaten your family at yeah. times. And it's no, just stuff... It's... I, I hate saying it. It yeah, pains yeah, me yeah, to yeah. say, but I see it. Yeah. And how do you sleep at night? Well, I think... Look, it is... It's a sign of the times uh, in terms of what we're in. And, you know, it's never a fun call, you know, when the you know, sheriff's department folks call and say, hey, we have an active threat. Here's what's going oh my on, gosh. you know, kind of thing. Or your home address is being shared online. You're getting saying, doxxed you know, or something. That, and, and, and all of that type of stuff. And um, and I think I, I part of it is I think a little bit of thick skin is acquired over time. You know, I've been through really tough campaigns. I've, I've had a lot of bad things said about me. And, you know, there's a point where you just kind of accept that as, as the, 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 the nature of, of the job I'm in. And, and then I think there's an acceptance that like, I can't satisfy everyone. And, and so I'm not going to try, you know, I was the lone no vote on a series, mm -hmm. right? A series, the only one, no vote. And, and the, the, the heat we took on that was an intense, but at the end of the day, the way I sleep at night is knowing that I did what I believed was right. And so if you just try to do that and then you just kind of accept all of the other stuff is just is just a part of life in these divided times. Um, and the other thing is it's not people will personally say things, you know, about me or my family or my wife or whatever. But I, I always remind myself it's not really about me. Yeah. Because if I'm a professor at UCSD, no one's talking about no me. No one gives a shit. It's about the position I hold. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yep. It, it's they're criticizing the position I hold and the decisions we're making and not really me. Right. So do you um, miss being a professor? <laughs> <laughs> it you was a little easier life. Yeah, you know, but you're going to... I noticed that like, you're, you'll be talking about something and someone will comment like, what about the lakes? Are the lakes open? And yeah. I feel like you do a really good job of, of just kind of navigating the people that pop up all the time yeah. with, with some sense of respect. You, know you yeah. learn how to navigate through the hate better, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, and you address... I mean, I mean, the thing is, is legitimate questions... That's fine. Mm -hmm. Legitimate, pointed, sharp questions. Hey, no problem. That's a job. Um, people who are confused, and I understand why they're confused, because you have so many people pushing misinformation, and you, you know you try and do that, and you got to differentiate those folks from just trolls that are just sure. there, you know, to to to, to kind of hate. And and then the other thing, the other thing, Chris, I think about a lot is that folks are going to naturally lash out um, because they're hurting. 
And they're scared. And they're scared. Yeah. And 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 so if like I know, man, I know how hard this is on small businesses. Like you work your whole life to create something. And then it gets destroyed and you didn't you didn't cause it. It's like a radio career. Right? Yeah. Now the reality is I didn't cause it either, but I'm in the position where we're having to say we got to close these things. And so it's just natural to say, well, you're the person who, who took away this from me. And so a little bit of that, I just got to accept and show some empathy yeah. that, you know, my aim is not to destroy anyone's business. Our aim is to keep your business open. And there are people that really you know, believe that, though, they right? They do, that yeah. You, that this is a whole political it's thing. A hoax. Yeah. It's a hoax. You and want I've people to suffer. Fascist. Yes. I like telling people what to do. Yeah, and, yeah. and this is just all by, by November. Coronavirus like, is gone. It's going to go away. Okay, please yeah. still love me, but I do come a little bit from the conspiracy side of things. Yeah. And I know we, we definitely have a mix of listeners. Yeah. And so, like I, I really appreciate because you were like really the first I think leader that I'm watching and I'm like okay he makes me feel like we're not going to get like our children taken away and that right. this isn't this weird like certificate of vaccination stuff so right. I really think it helps when leaders can just like uh, you know show up with their face on a video and yeah. explain to people calmly because I think like I could tend to go a little bit like of, yeah. the, of the other way but I think like rational people like yourself can help you're not us, hiding yeah help well, us like understand a little and, bit and the other thing i think too is we gotta we're, you know be really transparent with the data yeah and so we do it at our press briefings i do it on my facebook and i just say here's the data here's what it tells us here's what we're doing here's why we did what we did here's what we're seeing here's what we expect and then if that changes then we got to come out and say and, and you know here, here's what's changing but you know it really is a lot for people to absorb right, right? i mean people are, are trying to like homeschool their kids and <laughs> yeah, get yeah. them on a zoom and deal with Oof. unemployment insurance what we're with dealing the, with that's our know, home you, you know you got a senior who's isolated and they're isolated and your kids are upset and you got all this going on and then you got all this information coming in and so i know so t i guess to an extent i understand why people are upset you know and um like all the hair salons are like going after me crazy and i, I didn't close them that was a state thing but I'm like, look, I get it. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know? And and we're doing the best we can to get them back open. How often do you talk to Newsom, the governor? Um, I text with them. I primarily talk. I talk to him occasionally. I text with him every couple of days, probably. Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. We've been friends for years. I brought. I taught him how to surf. Brought him down here. And Come taught on. Him, taught him how to surf. Yeah, yeah. I got these great pictures. Teaching. Hey, Nathan, surf. will you teach me how to surf? <laughs> oh, you, you know, he, he's just be the great baseball player in college. Was he? Yeah, and so he actually he actually surprised me. He uh, he, he did he did he, he got up uh, first day and, and did well. And <laughs> he came here to the county uh, after I got elected, and was the first time a sitting governor's ever been at the county. Um, and uh, so I have a good relationship with him. Uh, I'm his uh, appointee to the Air Resources Board. We do a lot of climate change, environmental work. I uh, was on his homeless advisors council, right. and so engaged with him a lot. And you know, look, he's got a really difficult job because you know as hard as our job is in San Diego. Imagine if you're trying to do it wow. for the whole state. Yes, yeah. And, and uh, you know, the challenges that he faces, you know, are, are it's really, next level. Really difficult. Yeah, and it's, and it's just bigger. And, yeah, and there's a lot broader. of... I've got friends who are moving out of California yeah. and, and claiming that that's the answer. And I'm like, oh, can I buy your house? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I can't afford it right now. <laughs> that's another story. But before we... Uh, I do have, because I know your yeah. time's limited, yeah. and I have some questions Go here. From our listeners. What about the lakes? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to ask you about the lakes. Before we call Nathan Fletcher, I'm like, go ahead. Go down to the registrar, get your form. <laughs> Good luck. Before we get to those the questions, I was wondering if you can just take us through just briefly your day-to-day, -day, like a day in the life today yeah. of Nathan Fletcher. Uh, that, that's a good question. So um, I, I get up really early. Uh, I'm usually out of bed at 5 okay. um, because that, that period of time in the morning is the only time it's quiet. Uh, you know, I have to, to work out, 
Uh, work out at home? I work out at home. Yeah, I have a, a home gym? gym in my garage. Peloton? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I have a bike on a trainer. Uh, okay. I have a Wahoo kicker. Whoa. Uh, my bike on a trainer is it's cheaper than a, than a Peloton. Yeah, it is. Um, and uh, and then some weights and stuff. So, I, you know, I get out, I do a workout, and, and really try to start my day right, like try to meditate in the morning. I mean, just go through a series of things, kind of getting ready. What's your breakfast like? Um, um, lately, lately, I've I've just been throwing the the frozen blueberries and bananas in the blender, uh, smoothie with protein bit. powder, and just just jam that out kind of early. And then the morning is is also when I when I sit and work. Uh, you know, my staff will load in a series of things. We got to approve. We got to sign off on this. We got to decide on that. And so that morning is you know kids are asleep. Everyone's asleep. You know, I can get up. You know, five to six, kind of do that first part, and then kind of yeah, six to seven, knock some stuff that, out. Get that get that work kind of work. Knock out that work. Uh, and then I'm, I'm on a call, a Zoom or, or conference call, uh, 8 a.m. Uh, we have a standing 8.30 a.m. emergency operations center call, um, which goes through the high level about all the totality of response to this. There's a ton of people on that. And then at 9 a.m. every meeting, I have an in-person, uh, we call it the policy committee. So it's Supervisor Cox and myself. Uh, public health officer, chief administrative officer, health and human services director, uh, and the uh, emergency operations center director. And that, that meeting today went two hours. Uh, you know, that goes anywhere from an hour to two hours. And that's where we're getting in the weeds of, we got this testing problem. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? We don't have enough stuff. Uh, Latino contact tracers. How do we fix that? We got this data irregularity. How do we address that? We got an enforcement problem. And so we work through e- e- each of those things. And then after that, then I end up trying to get back to the other aspects of my job. You know, so today, immediately after that meeting, I had an MTS meeting. Um, you know, we've got uh, MTS issues. We have a board meeting tomorrow. And so we had to get prepared for that, go through the agenda, kind of get everything ready for that. Um, and then um, on top of that, you know, I'm dealing with issues of the California Resources Board, uh, which is a quasi full-time job, which I'm a member of. MTS issues along with what we're doing here as a board. When do you golf? Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't golf. I don't golf. Um, and, you know, look, we continue to drive. You know, I mean, we, we continue to put together a lot of actions for the Board of Supervisors. We did a lot of things around child care. Uh, this next Tuesday, we have a proposal, $25 million. I want us to invest in propping up and helping support the child care industry. I love that. Because you, you got to help these folks. Oh, because yeah. that, that's a business. And the number of kids they could take has changed. And yep. we got we to make them financially viable. Uh, we're doing issues around drug treatment and mental health services. Like it's got to be remote. How do we invest in that? Um, you know, we're bringing things forward, and we're bringing forward some cannabis stuff coming up. Um, and so, you know, we're working on on kind of a series of those. And then the days we have the media briefings, we reconvene at two p.m. to prep for the two thirty live media briefing. Uh, and then we do that. That's carried live by most local stations, and that usually goes until about three thirty. Um, and then I'm back. Usually back here. Did we eat lunch, by uh, the way? Four. No, we forget to feed me. Really? Uh, yeah. That's how you've slimmed up. You have slimmed up, buddy. On the go. Um, and then I'm back here, and then and then you know we have an equity task force, a huge group of folks. We meet regularly, talking about these issues. Um, and then that you know usually goes into the evening. And then uh, I always try to get home for dinner. But you home do your Facebook dinner. Live. Hey, guys, do my Facebook Live. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the days we do those. And we usually do those in the evening. What do you do when you get home? Um, hang out with the kids, hang yeah, out with the wife. Just decompress, dinner, And then unplug. get them to bed. And then once they get to bed, then you got to catch up on whatever kind of pressing issues arose between when you got home and oh when they goodness. get to bed and they deal with that. Dang. And then, um, and then, you know, then, then you get in bed and try and unwind a little bit. Sob uh, yourself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder why you didn't go, go into sleep, like architecture then, or something. Uh, and then, and then wake, wake up early the next yeah. morning and, and get get back after it. So, so uh, Marcy Prague here asks, um, 
What about the children at risk who are, uh, let's see, that are not going to school, they have working parents. I personally don't have kids, but I see all these well-to-do parents hiring a teacher to help with their kids online, but a working poor parent can't do that. And for them, working means the difference of food on the table yep. and a roof over their heads. This is one of the most devastating impacts of what we're, what we're seeing. You know, we had inequities in our education system. You know, we're supposed to have public education, which means every kid gets the same foundation. Um, but we know all of our public schools are not equally good. And, and, you know, look, we know wealthier parents are always going to have an advantage. They're going to hire tutors and, and do all this type of stuff. And, you know, when the school's closed, I mean, that's a, a unprecedented action and step. Dang. But, you know, I remember being in one meeting and someone said, well, you know, they can just get on there. It's like you can just get on your MacBook Pro with your <laughs> high-speed broadband and <laughs> the teacher. And you said, well, not everyone has a MacBook right. Pro and not everyone Bingo. has high-speed Wi-Fi that can do this. And so the burden and strain, I mean, we're exasperating that inequity. And, and that's why I think it's why I was so militant on we had to move slower in opening to keep our case counts low, which would have allowed us to be able to get our schools back up and running in some fashion. Mm -hmm. and, and that is important not only for our kids, right, who need to learn, but it's important for the parents because how do you expect a parent to be able to go back to work if their kids aren't going to school and there isn't affordable childcare yep. options? And, you know, that, that's a real problem. And, you know, we're working with the state around, you know, could, could, you know, unemployment maybe apply because of childcare issues, mm. you know, that, that would be a thing if you can't, you just, there's no one to watch your kids. And then a lot of families relied on grandparents to fill gaps in childcare. Like and now, and now you can't yeah. do that because yeah. no one wants to put That's their true. kids on the grandparents. It's, it's the, the strain. And, you know, we did a little laptop giveaway thing and it was, it was nice, but it, it wasn't going to solve the totality of the problem. But in reading the essays, I remember one kid who wrote, you know, he, he wrote his essay on his mom's phone. Because that's the only device they had. Ugh. But he had to do it late at night when she got home from work. That crushes me. And that just tells you like how indescribably hard this is. And so for those those parents that on are top out of the there, emotional impact it's oh, having on these kids. I walked in on my daughter wearing her school uniform in her bedroom all day because she just missed wearing it. Oh my yeah. gosh. I was like, What are you doing, Lucy? And she's like, Oh, I just put on my school clothes. Aww. And all of her friends were all wearing their clothes and FaceTiming. Yeah. That's and and that is um, and so for those parents who are out there, I mean, we're, we're doing everything we can to try and provide help and support. Um, you know, we really need the federal government to step in big because counties can't deficit spend. We can only spend the money we have. States can only spend the money they mm -hmm. have. The federal government has the ability in, in times of crisis to deficit spend, which is what deficits are for. And that's where we really need continued economic help, education help. You know, we need that support to bridge families through. You know, we got to make sure, look, no one should lose their home. Everyone should get fed, right? And and then childcare is the next part of that. You know, yeah. you either need to be able to stay home and take care of your kids, or there has to be an option there. And, so yeah, and as a dude who lost his house during the recession, and that was the most traumatizing thing I had ever gone through, mm -hmm. I, I will say, seeing a lot of the relief and the benefits that are getting thrown to the homeowners, it's a good thing. And I it feel like we thing. have learned from our mistakes of the past. Well, as challenging as everything is, if if, if we can say you're not going to lose your home, you're going to get fed, right. your utilities will be on. It doesn't mean it's not stressful, but at least, okay, I, okay, I don't have to worry about those basic necessities. And, you know, look, we're a wealthy enough country to be able to do this. And, you know, this isn't going to be forever. We're going to get out of this. We're going to come through this. Um, but it could be a bit. And yeah. so, you know, we got to figure out how we're going to navigate and manage our way through. But it's very, very challenging. Laura Mee says, can we send thank you cards to Dr. Wilma Wooten <laughs> yes. at the county administration building? She needs to uh, have, know that sane public people support her. Well, and I tell you what, you can't do that enough. Uh, I've, I've been a long defender of Dr. Wooten. Um, and, you know, the 
you know, politicians, we take some flack, but public health officers have taken a lot of flack too. And it's been targeted. And, you know, we had a really unfortunate situation in a board meeting where someone gave out her home address in a public meeting. Ooh. And it's just, it's really, it's really unprecedented. And, and it's you awful. know, she's, she's a committed public servant, has dedicated her life to public service. And, you know, none of us get everything wrong. We're all going to misspeak or make little mistakes here and there. But it's, you know, the challenge is, is people take a little snippet of what you say out of the context of totality in order to inflame the divisions in our society. And yep. it, it really makes it challenging. So, yes, please do send a note to Dr. Wooten. She will appreciate that. <laughs> she will get it. Uh, it'll be properly screened, but uh, she will get it. And, you know, and in general, I mean, this is a time where we do depend on, on those public health experts. And, and I think we, we need to not only depend on them, we need to listen to them. You saying, like, it, this is temporary, we will get through this, even if it takes a while. That kind of stuff, I think, helps the, like, me's of the world. Right. We need more of that yeah, out we need of more of that because honestly, on a national level. Yeah, yeah. As someone that does, like, question everything and kind of I'm a little bit skeptical to begin yeah. with, on one of your Facebook Lives, you did say, like, we won't be wearing a mask forever. forever. We won't be. And so I think that kind of stuff helps because then we don't feel like we need to, like, buck against whatever this right. new normal is. And, you know, so yeah. I think if people just light. knew there's a light, we, 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 but you're one of the only you ones know. that I hear speaking of yeah. in like, in we will get Seeing through this light. terms. Yeah. I think leaders should like really help us like yeah. this may be one year or two years, but we're not changing your whole life. It's forever. not going to change forever. We will get back to normal and we'll all go back to indoor concerts and, and, you know, that type of thing. But it is that, you know, until we have some combination uh, of a vaccine or therapeutic treatment, mm -hmm. probably a partially effective vaccine, a partially effective therapeutic treatment, you know, is probably the most likely thing. And I think early next year we should be there. That's cool. See, that yeah. helps like the fearful yeah, like, of, like, of, you know, we, we just, we just got to get through. And then the new normal too, you know, we talk about the new normal. The new normal is just, we're, we're just more cautious. We're more yeah. mindful, right? We're, we're physically distancing from people we don't live with. We're utilizing our face coverings uh, and we're really avoiding really large crowded indoor settings. Mm -hmm. Now we can do that for yeah. a few months, yes, especially definitely. if that means we're going to save someone's life. Yes. Right. And we're going to save that small business's opportunity to get up and running. And so it's, it's just, we just, we just got it. We got to do that and we got to do those things. And, you know, we've never said stop the spread. We said slow the spread. Contain it. We just got to contain it. We got to have manageable spread so we don't, because if you overwhelm your healthcare system capacity, you have no economy. Your whole society shuts down. Yeah. And so we have to avoid, you know, that, that situation. Um, and but then, people challenge the healthcare system so much, on a, even on a local level, it amazes me. And I just want to end here quickly by yeah. saying, I got a buddy who, is, who works in the healthcare system at a, at a pretty high level at a local hospital. And he was a guy at the beginning of all of this that, if anything, was opposed to a lot of the directives and felt like we should open up and what have you. And I just talked to him last week, and he said, if we continue at this pace, we're going to be screwed this fall. Yeah. And he's and every time I talk to him, like, how is it over there? And he's like, busy, yeah. busy. Yeah. That's all he says is busy. Yeah. But three months ago, I'd call him, ah, we're making TikTok videos. <laughs> well, here's, here's the problem. One of the problems, Chris, is we live in a world of instant... Instant action. Yeah. Meaning like if, if, You're right. if, if I want to buy something, on demand. I can go to Amazon and I can have it. I, I mean, there's an option if I want to pay more, I can get it in like four hours. Boom. Right? Dropped off at my door in four hours. And if I want to know a fact, I can look it up instantly. Boom. Right? And so we're in this in this kind of mindset. And the problem with with this pandemic. That's outbreak, where a lot of the entitlement comes from, that's is what right. you're saying. And and there's a significant delay. Meaning, mm -hmm. you know, like, like I spent a lot of time hiking or mountain climbing and we always say like, if you're thirsty, it's too late. You're dehydrated. Uh, yeah. You got to drink before you're thirsty because mm -hmm. by the time you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. And so 
we've had this disconnect of a couple things. We've disconnected the actions we've taken with the outcomes we got. So at the very beginning, we were one of the earliest counties declared a public health emergency first. Yep. Three weeks before we had a positive case being proactive. And we moved ahead of things. And as a result of that, we did great. We didn't flatten the curve. We demolished the curve. I agree. But then you had everyone say, well, everything's fine. We didn't need to do what we did. And you're like, no, 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 no. Everything's fine. <laughs> because we did. Because of yeah. what we, we did. did. Not yeah, 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 yeah. of what we yep. did. Right? Yes. But we had this disconnect. And then as we started reopening, we said, man, we got to be careful. And people go, oh, it'd be fine. And then people do, yeah, everyone would go out. And then the next day, well, everything's fine. Well, here's the thing. If you go to a setting, you have a, you have a party at your house with 30 people and somebody there, and we have a ton of outbreaks tied to people having parties at their house. So you go to that on today. Today is Tuesday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. Sorry. And uh, my days all run together. Oh, <laughs> mine too. It's the day after You're yesterday. like, today is Tuesday. So I, have, I have an excuse. I'm unemployed. <laughs> so, so, to, to, so today's Wednesday. You, you, you go to that party Wednesday night. And you get someone projects enough viral load to start the process of you getting COVID-19. The incubation period could be seven to 10 days. Yep. Right? So you don't then feel any symptoms for seven yeah. to 10 days. Then and you start feeling right a little around. bad. And then you're like, well, I should get a test. But it takes a day or two. It takes a couple days to I get it. Know. And then we don't get the result. So now we're getting the result potentially 14 days after the spread. Damn. Right? And so the thing is, is you have to take action before. So even, even when we had to reimpose things, people said, well, the hospitals aren't overwhelmed. Why are you doing this? Because you got to do it before. Because by the time the hospitals are overwhelmed, there's nothing it, you can do. You're screwed. And a lot of the things we put in place two to three weeks ago, people said, well, why is the numbers not come down? Because COVID is like a freight train going downhill on the tracks full speed. You can let off the gas but it's still not still stopping. Moving. It's exponential growth. It's like compounding interest. Inertia. And so it forces you to do things before you think you need to do them. Um, because, man, once that thing gets moving, there, there's very little you can do. And so, you know, th those are some of the, you know, those challenges combined with a healthcare system that just doesn't work. We have a fragmented for-profit healthcare system that operates in silos that people don't have access to. No question. Combined with the misinformation. And we just haven't invested in public health uh, has created this this challenging situation. But look, in spite of all that, we're going to get up every day. We're going to fight for every life. We're going to fight for every job. Uh, we're going to fight for every kid, uh, and we're going to navigate through this as best we can. And and we we you know we've been through tough times as a as a country and community. I mean, this is you know one of the tougher times in our lifetime. Yep. Um, but it you know it's not a, you go to the late '60s, very divided, mm -hmm. a lot of challenges, riots, people dying. I mean, you know, you can look historically. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we'll get through this and my hope is we can come out of it, uh, more aware of the inequities and more committed to addressing them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can't reboot the same way. No, we've got to build back better. Bingo. I got really right. positive build, the other build, day. I was like, I really better. feel like I this agree. is going to be great. Yeah. Like I do. I just have this feeling hope, for some I, people. You know, yeah. I, I, I hope it is. We can come out of this in a better place, but you know, between now and then we get up every day and we, we give it everything we have all day long. Well, thanks for your time, man. Yeah. While we're on this COVID train, thanks for showing us some light at the end of the tunnel. Yep. And let's get you a burrito. <laughs> I need to start yeah. eating more. All right. Thank you, both. Worried we about you. you. Thank you. Gotta, you you got to eat more. <laughs> Bye, Nathan. All right. Thanks. The Cantori Show. Cantori Show.